0: Today, I want to talk about this is the last day of 2017. Don't know where it's gone, (laughs) Um, but here we are. So, I want to talk about the last days, but what I want to talk about, I want to talk about a different focus than what most people have. Because, as soon as you start talking about the last days, out comes Matthew 24, talk about all the awful things that are going to happen. We have Peter, talking about scoffers in the last time, and there's a whole passage there, in the last days it said scoffers will come. In 2 Timothy he says perilous times will come in the last days. But when are the last days? Well I can guarantee from this book that we're in the last days. You see, it's so easy to get distracted from what God's doing and what's going on out there and what's going on in things in the church. And we mustn't get distracted. I heard somebody talk about Illuminati as we were coming. I don't care about Illuminati. I don't want to know about it. It doesn't, nothing concerns me about that. I want to have what God thinks about the last. And these things will happen. In fact, they are happening, and they have happened. Let's read some verses. Now, we've got a lot of verses today. So if you want, if you want to write them down, just, just come and get, get this to the, listen afterwards and write them down, or I shall miss things. Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. This is the last days. And many people shall go and say, come let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob and it will teach us his ways and we will walk on his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the Lord, this is Jesus and the Lord of the Lord from Jerusalem. Hallelujah. That's about Jesus. The last days, he's talking about there. There's a, there's a lot in there we can say, and oh, I, I can't go there. In Micah 4, verse 1, we have Micah. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Micah. Jonah, Micah. We are very, an interesting... Verse 4, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For the Lord shall go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now, that's virtually identical. Different prophet, The same word, uh, almost identical prophecy from Micah there. And that's in the last days. So when are the last days? Is the last days 50 years before Jesus comes? Is it 100 years before Jesus comes? Well, let's look in Hebrews 1, verse 2. God who at sundry or various times and in various manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by his prophets have in these last days spoken to us by his son. So the last days start 20 years ago or 50 years ago or when you were born and when you can try and vaguely remember where things might have been different and they seem to be worse. The last days started when Jesus came. Because in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son. So the last days have been from the time of Jesus all the way through. So when you read these bits where it talks about in the last days, this will happen and that will happen, it has always been happening. But because we live in this little bit of life, it seems bigger. I looked online to find out, have we had more earthquakes in the last hundred years? No, we haven't. Have we had more of this and more of that? No, we haven't. We, it's because we live in this little bit of life and we see what's going on in the world and we think, oh, it's worse than it's ever been. But it's never been any different. People have always been the same. Now, we've, when we had more religion in this country in the Victorian times, all the stuff was just covered up. It was still going on under the surface. But when God comes, he changes things in our lives. Do you know, it's a wonderful thing that we, we, we get distracted from what's going on out there and what not what he himself is doing. What's he going to do in the last days? We've, we've seen something, he's going to bring all people in. That means he changes people's lives who were not wanting God to wanting God. That's what he does. That's what he said in there, didn't it? He, he said, call all nations. No, people didn't want God. People don't want God, says, says uh, Paul in Romans. They don't want God. Not really, because he's restrictive to them, they can't do what they want. They can't live the life. That's why people don't want God. At least nowadays people are honest about it. They don't hide it and pretend they want God. God is is true. Let's have a look in Acts two, seventeen, and he's quoting a passage. And we're going to do quite a bit in Acts now. Acts two, seventeen. And this is Paul, Peter speaking after the day of Pentecost. And he's, he says, that you're not, we these people are not drunk, as you suppose, but seeing as it's the third hour of the day, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> They're rolling around. <laughs> but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, In shall come to pass... In the last days, saith God, I, this is what God says he's going to do, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons, your daughters, shall prophesy, and your young men, and it goes on and on and on. Pour, and he says, out of those that I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, they'll speak from God, everybody. Not just a few people, not just a few prophets, but everyone. That's the last days. You see, I've been reading a, a book which I've lent to somebody, and uh, they've had it for months now. <laughs> called Sounds from Heaven, and it's about as a lady who lived in the revival in the Isle of Lewis. And I was, we were listening, weren't we, on the way back from uh, Stoke, the chap who was there, Campbell, speaking about what happened. He said, it's nothing to do with me, I hate anybody saying it was anything to do with me, the revival has been going on, I just turned up, God sent me and I helped. Very humble man, he realised it was God. In fact, Lewis' revival, don't listen to all the stuff, there are little stories, but people emphasise little bits about it, the revival in Lewis had been going on for a hundred years. And it in waves every ten years, God would move again, and it had incredible revivals. The presence of God was so powerful, people would be falling over in the fields under the presence of God. And I want revival, because this country needs, this world needs revival. But we're in the last days. It's not day, it's days. So when it's exactly the same now as it was in the Acts of the Apostles, there's no difference. It's the last days. There's no difference. We think it's different. But no, it's no different. We think it was easier then. No, it wasn't easier then. They were the same people as we are who God met. They had this awful opposition, and it never stopped it. Because it was... You no, know, I started looking at Acts, and I suddenly realised that the book of Acts is the Acts of the Revival, or an outpouring, as, as Lydia would Lydia who came a few weeks ago, said. What they call an outpouring of God's anointing, an awakening. But the awakening starts with us. That's where the awakening starts. So let's have a look. So we've established that the last days are not last 50 years or the last 10 years or just before Jesus comes. The last days are right from when when Jesus started speaking and more so when the Holy Ghost came. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. So we're in the last, we've been in the last days for nearly 2,000 years. So I want to show you now in Acts of the Apostles. And we're going to start, and I'm going to read quite a few verses to show you that they had the incredible revival they had in the Acts of the Apostles. When people talk about about revival in the Bible, they'll talk about, oh, when Jonah went to to Nineveh, went over there and they all got saved, and they repented, or... Another one, when when I looked up that, they said, oh, I talked about Jesus when he was in Samaria, and they had a great revival. But it's nothing compared with what happened in the Acts of the Apostles. Let's start reading. In 2.37. Now, you'll see that there are a lot of things about revival that happen. When God is moving in unlimited power amongst his people and on people, there's conviction of sin. There's fear of God. There's absolute Instant change lives, and they are people who stay in the revival in Lewis. He said, I could count on one hand the amount of people, and there were thousands, thousands of people who came to Christ on one hand who've turned away. Yet, you get big revivals these days, and they reckon about between two and ten percent stay in the churches. You see, now I'm not decrying that, that's a fact. But what we need is the power of God coming down to change people so instantly. It's not that they make a decision for Christ, but Christ takes them up into himself and meets them in reality and changes them so much that they couldn't go back even if they tried. Because they've met the living God. It's a living God. We've watered it down so much. We don't preach repentance anymore. The glory of God coming down and meeting people. When you read those books, It's absolutely incredible. The glory of God came down and people... People were travelling when there were no cars in the the winter. Miles and miles. And they didn't know where they were going. They all just upped and went. Because the power of God got hold of them. Because God got hold of them. You see, we put too much self on us, what we're doing. But I want to show you what God does when he comes in. And he starts moving. So, in Acts 2.37... It says, when they heard this, this is Peter speaking, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and the rest of his apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus. There was conviction. So then people started questioning. And this is what happened in in the revival. People started questioning, God, what are you doing? What must I do? I feel awful. God needs to come. And then in verse 41 we read, and they that were re- received his word were baptised, and the same day they were added about 3,000. 3,000. That's revival. That's an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. In verse 47 it says, the Lord added to the church daily, not one every six months, daily as those who will be saved four. four. Howbeit many, I can't read the whole lot. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed that the number of men was about 5,000. In 5.11. And great fear came upon all the church, upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And the people dare not. And the and uh, says and they were all in one accord in Solomon's port. And of the rest, durst no man join himself to them. But people magnified them, and the believers were the more added to the church. Multitudes, both men and women. Great fear came upon the people, because God. They knew God was real, because He struck personally. God is real. He's a real living God. Multitudes, multitudes, five sixteen, and they all came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and unto them they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they healed every one. See, when we talk about Jesus and multitudes, he fed the multitudes. It was five thousand. You look at, and the other one was four thousand. We're talking about not a few little people. We're talking about thousands. Thousands, not one here and one there. We're talking. No, I'm not decrying the one here and one there. No, I'm not. But we're talking about thousands here. So I get get excited a bit. <laughs> Five thirty-three. When they heard the, it's Peter, uh, Peter speaking, and they said, when they heard they were cut to the heart, and they took counsel to slay them, there was a. Ref- there was a conviction of sin, even on the Pharisees. But instead of bearing to the knee of Jesus, they wanted to kill him because they couldn't cope with it. In chapter 6, verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied. In 6-7. And the word of God increased and the number of the, mu- the disciples multiplied. In 8a. There was great joy in the city. Now, that's another thing. When the Holy Ghost comes, he brings great joy in the city. In the city. Not in a house group. Not in in the temple or the synagogue. But in the city. The whole city was full of joy. Why was it filled with joy? Because it was full of people who received Christ and got filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why... It's in the city. Until you start looking at it, you miss it. You read over it. And I'd done it. We did Bible study through Acts. I hadn't seen it then. And you start looking. 9, 3 to 6. This is Paul. Paul. And as he journeyed, he came to Damascus, and there suddenly shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the bricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me do? That's the same thing. You say, when God comes, you tremble. Because you know you've met God. It's a fearful thing to fall, God. And what happened? In in, in, in 19 and 22, we see what happened. And when he received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples, which is Damascus, and straightway preached Christ to the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. And they were all heard and were amazed and said, Is not this he which destroyed them that which called on the name of Jerusalem? His name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them round a the bound to the Pharisees. And but Paul saw increased more in strength and confounded them all. Instant change, instant change from angry to full of love of God and people. Hallelujah. You see, that's what happens when God comes and meets you. It changes you when you have a, a, an encounter with a living God. Yeah. Where do we get up to? We're on 9. In verse 42, in 942, 35, sorry. And Peter said to Ananias, Jesus Christ, make thee whole, arise and make thy bed. And he arose immediately. And all that dwell in Lydia and Sarah and saw him and turned to the Lord. All of them. Not one or two, all of them. <laughs> in verse 42. And it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Many. Multitudes. Many. Many believed in the Lord. In 1044. I hope you're getting the preacher. <laughs> While Peter spoke upon these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them that heard the word. The haste fell on all of them. Not one or two, the whole lot. All. All. In eleven twenty one, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. The hand of the Lord was there. Because the hand of God was there, a great number, he swept them in with his hand. <laughs> they didn't have a choice, almost. He came and swept them in, because yeah. God was on the move. Yeah. And this is what we want, don't we? We want that to happen. Yeah. In this, we want the word of God to go out. And people get swept into the kingdom. 12:24 I'm going to have, to have a drink. I've sung too much. It was after last night. And today, 12:24. <laughs> but the word uh, there we are, here we are. He uh, says, they were talking about Herod and he died, but it said the word of God grew and multiplied. Hallelujah, in 1344. And the next Sabbath day came all, almost the whole city together to hear the word of the Lord. The whole city. Another city. The other one before was Samaria. City. Thousands of people getting saved. I don't think we realise the impact it had. It wasn't just a few little people. It was thousands. Hundreds of thousands of people getting saved. God bringing them in. In 1340, uh, where are we gone? and it came to pass at Isonium they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude both of Jews also of Greeks believed Jews and Greeks, great multitude not just a multitude a great multitude believed 16.5 and he came to Derba and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was of a Jewess, and believed. Uh, so that's, that's about Timothy believing. I'm not quite sure why I put that in there. 16, or oh, 16, sorry, 16.5. Uh, they went through the cities and delivered in verse four, them the decrees for to keep that they were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem, and so were the churches established. In the faith and increased in number daily. Daily. This is the normal pattern for church. In the last days we're in, which we're in. This is the normal pattern. When God's moving, daily. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. 17:4. And um, some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and the devout Greeks, a great multitude of, of, and of the chief women, not a few. So these are the top women in the country. All these people, a great mold another great multitude. 17.6 And this is what they're talking about. And the Jews in Thessalonica are talking about what's happened. Uh, they, they, the Jews were, were moved with envy. This is what happens. You will get opposition. And they took unto them certain lewd fellows of a base of sort and gathered a company and set the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city cry, these that have turned the world upside down have come here too. They've turned the world upside down too. And they've come here. God wants to turn the world upside down. He wants your world upside down. Because upside down is right for God. It's different to us. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 18.8. And Crispus, oh, sorry, um, Crispus, the chief ruler of a synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Many. Whole, this is the Crispus, his house joined on to the synagogue. Where are we got to? 18. 18.10. And Paul at uh, 9. And the Lord spoke to Paul in a night by vision Be not afraid, but speak. Hold not thy peace, for I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. He had lots of people in Corinth. In 19.10. Uh, so, uh, it's Apollos and, and Paul in, in um, was it, Corinth, and he went on and he says, this continued by the space of two years, so that all that dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greek, and God's special miracles by the hand of Paul. So they all heard. It says they all heard. There's a little word there, all. Not a few, all heard in Asia. All heard. Where were we up to? 19, 20, 26. That was 10, sorry, 20, 19, 20. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. We're talking about the lamb, the lion of the tribe of Judah who prevails. The word of God, the lamb who prevails. He prevailed, it prevailed, it carried on moving. Nothing was going to stop what God was doing. It says the word prevailed. In verse, that was in verse... 20, so mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. In verse 26 Moreover you hear that not alone at Ephesus but almost throughout all Asia this Paul hath persuaded and turned away many people saying that there be no gods which are made by hands. There we go. Many people throughout the whole of Asia Paul was. We're nearly to the end. 21 20. Uh, this is when paul went back was in jerusalem he came to james and the elders and it says and when that they and when they had saluted them they declared particularly what things god had wrought among the gentiles by his ministry, and when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, Thou seest, brother, how many thousands of the Jews which, are, which believed, and are all zealous of the law. Thousands of Jews believed. Isn't that wonderful? And even 24, 5, which is the last verse having in this little bit. And he said, for we have found this man a pestilent fellow, a mover of addition among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader. He's got, and so he it was a huge amount of thing that happened. All the Jews throughout the world. In fact, in one place it talks about many, well, I don't know where I, I missed it, many of those even in the Pharisees and the priests believed. Many, it said, many of them. I must have missed that somewhere. I had lots of verses. So you can see, this is the last day. You see, it's not about the doom and the gloom which many people talk about but it's about the glory of God. These last days which we're in. see, it's not the last day, it's the last days because it goes on right until Jesus comes again and this is the pattern. The last days of the moving of the Holy Ghost. So what was it about these people? What was it about these people that was different? Well, I tell you, There was one thing about all these people, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the key. The key is the filling of the Holy Ghost. Now this doesn't mean to say it's about rolling on the floor and and speaking in tongues and all the other... It means being filled with God. Because He's a person. It means God having more of you. Your whole life is filled with Him. Now these might be manifestations but they weren't the things that were there. It was when they spoke, because they were so aligned with what God was doing, that their words were just the words of God. And they changed people's lives instantly. They became conviction on their lives because of the Holy Ghost was on them. It says, Peter was filled with the Spirit in Acts 4.8. Stephen and his seven people with him, they were filled with the Spirit, and we know what happened to Stephen. He preached, and they were so convicted, and he shone with the glory of God that they couldn't cope with him, and they had to stone him. Barnabas was full of the Holy Ghost. Paul was full of the Holy Ghost, as in Barnabas as in 11:24, and Paul is in, uh, in uh, 9,17, 13,9, and both of them in chapter 13:52. you can look at those up. He were full of the Holy Ghost. That's the key. The key is being full of the Holy And it's for every one of us. What about us? You see, was it just the apostles? No. They were all filled. On the day of Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> every one of them was filled with the Holy Ghost. The seven, they weren't apostles. People will tell you in the evangelical church, oh, well, it was just the apostles. No, it wasn't. Those seven, they weren't apostles, but those seven were filled with the Holy Ghost. Look at Stephen. Wow. You see, it's for everyone, it's not just for them. I'm going to look at a little verse. I spoke about it a few weeks ago in 1 Timothy 1, verse 13. first uh, I say 13 verse 16 we're going to 15 um, uh, so, well let's go back to verse 12. I thank Jesus Christ our Lord who enabled me for that he counted me faithful putting me in the ministry who was before a blasphemer a persecutor an injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. For this is a word, faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners whom I am a chief. How be it for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all suffering for a pattern To them which should hereafter believe on him to have life after least. Paul says, my life is a pattern. It's a pattern of God coming and meeting a person, changing him absolutely completely. So you can see, he said, look at my life, what God did with me. My life's a pattern and it's the same for you. You can have the same pattern as Paul. And you might not have the same ministry. I'm not talking about the same ministry. I'm talking about the same thing that happened to Paul can happen to you. That you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can come to a place of, of, of conviction of sin. You can come to a place where God meets you. It might not be in the same way, but that God will meet you in your way that he, you need to be met in so that you can be changed, so that you can have that life. And you can be changed instantly into what God has called you to do. That's the pattern. He says, my life's a pattern. Not that we might follow his pattern, but that he might see that he can come. So it's for you. It's for every one of you today. Paul says, are we any different to them? In Acts 4, remember they prayed for boldness? Why did they pray for boldness? Because they weren't bold. (laughs) You see? They're just like us. They have fears and feelings. They're no different. We think they're different, but they're not. They're just the same as us. But God got hold of them and changed their life. And we can have the same. You see, God commands us in Ephesians to be filled with the Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, which is excess, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so he wasn't talking to non-Christians. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit, but there's a difference between having the Holy Spirit and being born again and having the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit, having you, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I loved what Dan talked about in John 7. He says, out of your belly, Jesus said, if you're thirsty, shall I read it again? It's such a good little verse this morning for us. And the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, if any man will first, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall show rivers of living water. This he spake of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus wasn't glorified. So he's talking about this Holy Spirit that would be in us and flow out of us like rivers, as Dan was saying. That river. <laughs> wow. You see, I want to go and look at one more little verse in the Old Testament now. Isaiah 44. You see, it's for us. The promises of it are to us. Because we've, we've, been, we've been put in to the family of God, we're in the household of God. The promises in the Old Testament are for us. Let's have a look here, in verse in Isaiah 44. Now you're here; you'll all know this passage. I'll have another look, quick drink. Yet yeah, now hear, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel, whom I have chosen. That's where it always starts, being chosen. Thus saith the Lord that made thee and formed thee from the womb, which will help thee. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and thou, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. I will pour waters upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thy offspring, and they shall spring up. As among the grass, as willows by the watercourses, and one shall say, I am the Lord; another shall call himself by the name of Jacob; another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and his surname by the. And thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts: I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no other God. He says, I'll do it. Now, there's a little thing here, which I found out this morning. Jacob means supplanter. We all know that. Do you know, I can't talk about it. The name of uh, the God of Jacob is mentioned more times than any other name, the God of. We get the God of Abraham, we get the God of Isaac, and we get the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We get once the the God of um, David. We don't get the God of Noah. We don't get the God of Daniel. Don't get, no. But the God of Jacob we get 25 times. Why? Because Jacob was a supplanter and he said, I'm the God of whatever you have. Whatever problem you've got, whatever you are, however bad you are, I'm the God of it. That's why he called himself the God of Jacob more times than any other God. Because he wants us to understand that whatever we're like, when we're alone and we feel down, that's the God we have. And that's the one he said, I'll pull my spirit on. But that's a little, little phrase. What's the other little word mean? I am, and thou Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. Now, what does that mean? Well, th- this is a nickname God has for his people. And it means, my dear people. It means the beloved one. It's a poetic name. It means the upright one. <laughs> well, I don't think I'm upright. But that's how God sees us. That's what it means. Those who were like a Jacob, he says, I see you like an upright one. That's how he sees us. And he said, I'll pour my spirit upon those ones. Because I've chosen them. And he's chosen us to pour his spirit on. Let's kind of look in Deuteronomy thirty-two, fifteen, where we'll see this name again. Isn't it funny that God has a nickname for his people? That's what he said to us when it says it's a nickname. 32.15. Now, this doesn't sound a very, very inspiring verse. <laughs> but Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked, and art waxed and fat and grown thick. They were covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him, and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. This is God's precious person who's gone and lightly seemed. But he says, just you and I will pour my spirit on that person. If you'll turn, whatever situation you are, when you feel you've gone away, God will pour his spirit on your life. If you just go back and turn back to him, he says, I'll pour my spirit on yes. you. Because you're still my beloved. Whatever you feel like, whatever vision you have of yourself, Whatever pitch you have yourself where you think, Well, I've I've not esteemed the rock of my salvation, he says, I'll pour my water on you. In 3326, he says it again. There is none like unto the God of Joshua, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help. In his excellency on the sky the eternal God is thy refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms and he shall thrust out the enemy from before thee and shall say destroy them. Israel shall then dwell in safety alone and the fountain of Jacob shall be in the land of corn and wine and his heavens shall drop down with dew. Wow. Because you have favour with God, not because of what you are, but because of what he is. His nickname for you is Beloved One. Because his son. He said, this is my Beloved One in whom I'm well pleased. And he calls you the same. Because of his son. Because it's not my my obedience, but by his. that you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. So everybody in this room qualifies to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Whether you think you're a Jacob, which you were a Jacob, but God says you as a Jerusalem, you're my dear people, my beloved one, the upright ones. He said, I'll pour my spirit upon you and change everything. This morning, God wants to pour his spirit on your life because this is the latter day. We need to get our focus off all the stuff now, I used to get my stuff on all the other stuff, and there used to be somebody who was always talking about the Illuminati, always talking about this, always talking about that, always talking about the things that are going on in the world. But this year, when this new year, we need to get our focus on him, on the last days which he talks about, when he comes and floods us with the power of his Holy Spirit, and many are swept into the kingdom through what God can do in our lives. This morning, God wants to fill you with his Holy Ghost. He said, I'll pour water. If you're thirsty, he'll pour water on your life. I tell you, God makes people thirsty. He makes people thirsty. That's why Paul, he was thirsty. He was kicking against the pricks. There was something going on inside him, and he made him all upset and angry. It's because God was on the work. We don't see that sometimes. When you think, "Oh, I feel, I feel that I'm thirsty," it's God makes you thirsty for Him, because normally you wouldn't be thirsty for Him, would you? It's not in your natural being to be thirsty for God, but He makes you thirsty so that He can fill you. I, He said, "Come unto Me." He said, "I'll make you fi-. if you're thirsty." Jesus wants to fill you this morning. You, he wants to fill you because this is the last days. And it's no different than the days of, of here, in, the, in Acts. No different. It's the same last days. The last days finish when Jesus comes. And we see him in glory, we get caught up into heaven with him. Then it's a different day then. That's the latter day then, the, the very end. But now, there's the last days, and he wants to pour out his spirit. It's the last days. It's a continual pouring. A continual pouring. It's not once. It's a Days. Can, in these last days, every day, he can pour out his spirit upon your life. You all know it. It means a continual pouring in, the, in, the, in the Ephesians where it says, be, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's a command of God. Now he's talking to Christians and he's saying, Well, I, am got, I have got the Holy Ghost. But there's something more. There's always something more. There's always something more because else we just sit back and rest. No. There's an unsatisfied satisfaction. I'm satisfied in Christ. But there's always more. And this morning, he wants more. And I want to encourage you. That we are in the last days, but it's not the days of doom and gloom. It's the days of the glory of God. The days of the glory of God. He wants you filled with the Holy Ghost. You, we all need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I need it. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost this morning so that he, he can do his work through us. Those men were filled with the Holy Ghost. And God worked through them. He can work just the same. You may have a different ministry, but it will work through our lives and change us completely. That's what we all want, isn't it? We want to be free from the shackles of his old life. We want to be free to show the glory of God in our lives. And that happens through the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And it happens in the last days, which is today, tomorrow until he comes. In fact, we might not get to next year. <laughs> we might not get to next year. You never know, do you? Because there's an imminent return of Christ. it could come at any moment. You might not even have any lunch. Because <laughs> he says you don't know the time. He says, but make sure you're, you're working. Don't wait until... Keep your oil. I love that little chorus about the, the oil. I think I, I looked at it. What does it say? Well, I did... Uh... Where was it? Oil in my vessel... Oil in my lamp, washed in his blood, sealed with his stamp. Jesus may come before another day. And oil, that's all you need. The oil of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.